Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. I'm your host, Josh Miles. Welcome to season two of Obsessed with Design. Today on episode number 70, we catch up with Tom Ross all the way from London. Now, that of course means that Tom has a fabulous accent. So I think for that reason alone, this may be the most listened to podcast ever, or maybe that's not the case. But anyhow, I had a great, great blast chatting with Tom, and I hope you enjoy hearing about his company, Design Cuts. So without further ado, please enjoy this very first episode of season two, my interview with Tom Ross. Okay, guys, welcome all the way from just south of London in the UK, Tom Ross. Tom is the founder and CEO of Design Cuts and host of the Honest Designers podcast. He's a longtime creative and lives and breathes his company. His favorite thing is to see the incredible community growing while staying true to their core values. His ultimate goal is to make Design Cuts the go-to destination for every designer online. So, Tom, I'm really curious to hear more about your curated marketplace that you have created and, of course, your, your story and your podcast. But, but welcome to Obsessed with Design. Thank you so much for having me on, Josh. I'm a big fan of the show, so it's an honor to be here. Well, I mean, obviously, to all of our listeners, I think this show is always more interesting when the person we're interviewing has an awesome accent. So you're already <laughs> A-plus right now. Yeah, I'm trying to work the Russell Brand angle for you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, we can talk more about Russell Brand uh, related to design. But, um, you know, one of my favorite places to start with people, and I know before um, before you started Design Cuts, you were, you know, working in the agency world. So tell us a little bit about your origin story and how you got started in uh, in this design universe in the first place. Yeah, sure. I I was actually much more freelance than uh, agency, but I started very young because I was always into art and creative stuff. And I think I was literally about 12, 13 years old when I started dabbling in all kinds of graphic design, web design, um, photo manipulation at a very basic level. And I think my entry into it was, I don't know if you remember the sites that uh, did loads of design contests. Mm, well, mm-hmm. in fact, there's a lot still going, yeah. but that, that was how I got started. And so I remember I would uh, join up and I'd enter these contests and I would never win. And then <laughs> I started winning. Not, not a great business model for anyone listening. <laughs> um, and then I, I'd start you know, winning my first one, my first, second one. And, and um, before I knew it, I, I was maybe winning one in 20 and then one in 10. Mm. And before I knew it, I was winning about half of them which, um, you know, that was great. I was like a 13, 14 year old kid at this point. And so getting a few, few hundred dollars through for design work was kind of game changing for me. And I think that put it in my head early that this was viable as a career. Um, so nothing kind of illustrious or, uh, too sexy in terms of the, uh, the origins, but I think that's true, hopefully for a lot of people listening. Um, and then from there, I just did the classic thing. I was trying to, trying to claw out early clients. Uh, I did everything from like asking every family friend, going around talking to local restaurants, um, business owners, that, and that sort of thing. And it was just a lot of bad clients, low paying work and all the stuff that feels very much like a rite of passage. 
as a designer. I don't know if you went through similar stuff yourself, but it, Oh man, I'm sure like 90% of the people listening right now are probably still going through that or can relate to back when they were in that first or second job. And it's just like, Oh man, when do I get to stop doing these super basic things and get to do the cool stuff? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not that fun at the time. And I, you know, I've had all the classic stereotypical stuff where the client is sat on your shoulder and basically uh, <laughs> telling you where to move your cursor. It's like change that, oh. move, move it there. And then paying you peanuts at the end of it, or, you know, the first time that you get screwed over uh, and don't get paid and, and all of this stuff, you come out the other side and you learn from it. So you learn about contracts and you learn about the right types of client and how to attract them. But I, um, I would say for anyone listening, going through it, it's seriously as a rite of passage. You can't just jump past that stuff. And it's so crucial to really getting a proper career, I think. Well, maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, thank goodness we're all past that. <laughs> or at least <laughs> thank goodness you and I are past that. But tell us a little bit about how Design Cuts is is structured. Just help us understand what this company is like and how many people are there and who's doing what. Yeah, sure. So this is fast forwarding quite a bit because um, from what we were just talking about, I then carved out a relatively successful um, freelance career, but I've always dabbled in the online business side of things. Mm -hmm. And I think the two marry together very well and increasingly so for a lot of people. Um, I, I think it's very cool where you can bring your creativity into business and into social media and things of that nature. Uh, so design cuts, uh, started out pretty simple. It was, uh, it was me and a, a couple of directors, but at the start they weren't full time. So it, it was basically me working 18 hours a day, uh, seven days a week for the first year until my eyes were bleeding and, uh, not getting much sleep and, you know, a lot of the stuff you hear about when, when businesses are kind of taking off and really we just found this amazing community of, uh, designers and I still feel very lucky about that. And it started very humbly. It started with 40 people on our Facebook page and, you know, a hundred people on our email list and so on. And from day one, I just wanted to look after those people and, and to treat them right. And I think that goes a lot deeper than just trying to flog design goods online. There's mm -hmm. a lot of people trying to do that, trying to, trying to sell design products and, and not doing it with a whole lot of care. And so that was the angle which we came from. And, and luckily, uh, you know, we're turning four this year, we've been able to scale up into a very cool business. Our team, uh, is, is still pretty small. Um, there's six, uh, six full-time team members, a few part-time people. And, and we're kind of creeping that up to 10 this year, I hope. And really now the challenge is staying true to those original roots, uh, you know, treating the community in the same way and, and trying to do all of that, that fun kind of lovely stuff uh, we had at day one, trying to do that at scale um, as part of a, a proper business, which is definitely a challenge, but worth it. <laughs> so tell me about, and I hear you that you're, you know, small and growing and, um, you know, six full-timers and a couple part-timers and wanting to increase um, what are, what are your growth goals? What do you want to get to, or what do you think you'll be at the end of the year, or a couple of years from now? It's, it's kind of ever evolving, to be honest. I don't even have like a firm, a firm number. And I think that's indicative of how we've done it. 
uh, we're a little bit more holistic, which isn't to say we have no business goals and no specifics. Um, but you know, we're, we're bootstrapped. We we've done this with hard work and love. We haven't got investors standing over us asking us for quarterly returns. So, um, I'm very much thinking long game with it. As you said in your very kind intro, I'm looking for this to be the go-to place for designers online. And I think that does involve some longer term thinking instead of by the end of October, I, I want to hit these margins and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, I think really we have to invest in some some pretty long-term strategy. And, and that does basically involve growing the community we want to grow and offering them all the things we want to offer. And that's, that's not an overnight thing. So this year is going to be a lot of just trying to build towards that as opposed to uh, particular business targets. So what would a user look forward to in terms of the community experience? You know, what, what do they come around for and what makes them, what makes them stay? I, I just, I truly believe we've got the best community I've ever seen online. Like hands down is whenever we get someone, I I feel like I'm doing a a huge plug here for (laughs) for the Mm -hmm. company. So I, uh, you know, I can, I can talk about design cuts all day. Um, but, but yeah, seriously, it's, it's just, the warmest community. And I think a lot of designers online are very warm. It kind of goes with the turf, right? We're, we're not like these mm-hmm. super corporate types. A lot of the time we, we can be a little bit geeky and, and funny and supportive. And that always drew me to the, uh, design community online way before design cuts. And I think we're just one of the best examples of that because every time someone joins the company, I say, it's not like dealing with normal customers and normal fans. It's like having a fan base. It's like being a, a mm-hmm. musician or something where you've got all these people, you, you put something out or you, you post on Instagram, it's a team member's birthday. And suddenly you have dozens or hundreds of people sending them lovely messages. That's the kind of community. And so to come into that, um, is very cool because you're surrounded by people who are very warm and very supportive, very geeky. Um, and I think the geekiness is important um, because <laughs> it's, it's always fun to geek out, right? Of course. We might even say it's fun to be obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> First pun of the episode. I like. <laughs> That's right. It's good. It may not be the last one, just fair warning. No, I'm going to have to up my game now. That's right. <laughs> the gauntlet's been thrown down. <laughs> what do you think makes a great member for your community? Like what? Is it typically more freelancers or more agency types or kind of a mix or students or who do you see most often in your community? It's a complete mix and it's increasingly a mix as we've grown. I think that that just goes with scale, but really passionate and nice. It it seriously comes down to personality because I don't care if someone's a complete beginner or super advanced. I don't care if they're a freelancer or a stay at home digital scrapbooker. And we have plenty of those as well. And everyone just kind of meshes together. And I think that's Mm -hmm. very cool to see. You see people from completely different creative backgrounds, completely different countries and ages. And really it comes down to the fact that we all like creative stuff and like to be nice to each other. I'm sure there are other community builders who listen to the show and uh, I'm sure they would want to know where do you feel like you've had the most success in getting traffic, getting uh, onboarding new users? Do you think it's more social media activity? Is it more just um, organic search or is it people just saying, hey, 
Bob, you've got to check out this awesome site that I found. <laughs> and I, I use all this stuff and you'll use it too. You should check it out. Like, is it more referrals or more digital driven? I think historically referrals, which is scary for a lot of people, I think, mm-hmm. um, for, for anyone listening, it's not like some magic bullet. It, it just comes from the work. It really does. It comes from the work and it comes from the cumulative effect of how you treat your fans and your customers, I think. So for example, Josh, you have listeners of this show, right? And it's like you, you interact with them on social media and beyond and and by email and every little interaction you have, I truly believe kind of builds up over time. Mm -hmm. And that's what maps out to growth. It's like, yeah, you can have marketing and, and growth hacks and all that kind of stuff. But I think that's something to be layered on top of the foundation of just fostering a, a proper community. So I don't know about you, but, um, I know I've hit some, some rough spots or had projects that didn't go exactly how I wanted in the past, or, you know, you see red flags or things that kind of surprise you that you weren't expecting. What do you feel like has been one of the biggest challenges in growing design cuts so far? What has been some of your big surprises? It's a lot easier to have the ideas of where you want to take stuff, um, than to get it done. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something every creative and business owner goes through. So it's all well and good to say we should be doing X, Y, and Z, but then uh, life happens and we're all human and people get sick and uh, people leave or people need training up and it's it's all just human nature stuff, right? It's it's very much uh, something every everyone goes through, um, but it's like an endless line of bottlenecks which just need to be freed up which is fun like that's that's awesome that's business like that's all part of the process but yeah. sometimes you just want to you, you wish you could tear all that stuff away and just kind of go full steam ahead <laughs> right one of our jokes is uh you know if the if the truck full of money wrecks into our office then we'll do this and this and this <laughs> but until somebody just dumps a pile of cash on us you gotta kind of go with it as you can but we're the same way. I mean, we've, we've bootstrapped and, you know, not done funding and don't have investors and, and those kind well, of things. Yeah. It's more fun that way. And to be honest, um, I forget who said it, but I remember reading that money basically just amplifies what you have. So if what you have is imperfect in certain mm. ways, money will literally just amplify that at a bigger scale and often cases make it worse. And I know plenty of, um, companies that, and not bootstrapped and have investment. And that's actually been a, a huge negative in the long run for them. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So no, no, no one's got a perfect setup, I don't think. Well, perfect's boring, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just make fun of perfect if, uh, exactly. if we're not. <laughs> so, so how has your role evolved? I'm sure since you were, you know, learning Photoshop at age 14 or whatever, that your, your um, day-to-day has changed a lot from, from those days. So what do you find yourself focusing on, on a daily, weekly or monthly basis? Not designing as much as I want, which sucks because I miss that. Um, I, I, I love design and I, I still try to do it where I can, but yeah, just trying to operate like a CEO. So, um, really managing people often ending up doing jobs that perhaps aren't yours and fighting fires 
I think you, you, you need to be a little bit twisted yeah, to want to do this for a living because <laughs> it's just <laughs> constant stuff that needs fixing. What do you feel like is the thing that drove you to doing this? You know, nobody, nobody forces us to be entrepreneurs most of the time. So what was, what was your inspiration or impetus to start your own thing? Because there's no end point. So you can, you can stare at a blank canvas and it could become some squiggly lines or it could be quite, become the Mona Lisa. And that's what excites me about business, that something can come from nothing. And it's not like in maths where it's perhaps a problem to be solved and then you've solved it. It can become as big and awesome and unique and wonderful as you want it to be. That's a great answer. You know, if if there's anything that I think about looking back at when I started um, started my business which has been like 14 years now for me. Is that your agency? Yeah, my agency. So I, I was checking it out earlier. It's very professional looking actually. It's yeah, very cool. Oh, well, thank you. It only took us 14 years to get there. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing that I, um, I kind of regret looking back is how much it just kind of consumed my day, my week, my month, my year. Mm-hmm. Are you able to make time for for personal stuff for yourself or like, do you, do you have other hobbies outside of the business or are you like all design cuts all the time? I am much better now. Um, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, it really is that kind of first year or two where you have to destroy yourself Mm -hmm. on it. But at some point your, your body kind of resists that and just says you, you literally cannot keep doing this. Um, so no, I think it's, it's a lot more balanced now. And a lot of that is learning to delegate and build up an awesome team and, and try and impart your vision onto them. How about you get, get, getting better or, or still like, yeah, definitely getting better. Um, you know, I, I started doing, I had, um, a gym membership for a long time that I paid for, but I didn't go to. <laughs> so in the past year, I actually, <laughs> that, that must be like 90% of Jim's money. I swear. I, no one's ever in them. They're just empty. Oh yeah, I'm sure. That's how gyms make all the money. They don't have to charge much because they have so many <laughs> people that don't actually use them that, you know, they're just cash and checks. So I finally uh, made that an actual habit cool. a little over a year ago. So I'm happy to report that that's, uh, that's sticking around. My my health is in much better shape than than ever before. So back in the gym after 13 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I'm in, I'm in a similar boat myself and a lot of people yeah. advocate that, don't they? They say the physical fitness and, and going to the gym is one of the best things you can do if you run a business. Well, maybe people who um, know me who are listening may even laugh out loud when I say this, but I spent the large majority of my life not knowing that I was a type A personality, not knowing that I was this, see, you're laughing and you don't even know me that well. But um, for some reason, I was the last one to figure that out. And so um, realizing that I could kind of take that approach to, to going to the gym as well, to measure everything and to know that I'm improving in areas. And so that, you know, it's, I think it's, it's a healthy, good thing just to do something outside of the office, let alone that it's good for you. But well, and something where you can just find contentment because it sounds like we're very similar, um, in terms of personality in that, because you can never just be happy with where things are. It's like, but they could, <laughs> right. but they could be better and you could move it on. Like, right. I described this almost as 
your your vision is always looking past the point of where you are. So like it doesn't matter that you got to the thing that you wanted to get to. Your vision is still looking to the next thing. So it's like you never just fix on one point and keep your eye on that until you get there. At least I think that's maybe my own personal problem. No, completely. It's it's a blessing and a curse because it makes you ambitious, but you're never happy or never satisfied, maybe. Right. Yeah. Maybe we'll shift gears before we um, both get depressed over this. <laughs> tell me a little bit about your podcast. What's um, Tell our listeners what the focus is. I had had a chance to listen to a couple episodes before we chatted here, but oh, cool. I'm, I'm curious to, to hear kind of what your vision is for it and how it's going. So it's called The Honest Designers Show, and it started very organically. It, it wasn't even meant to be a podcast. So it was uh, myself and three great designers who we work with. And we all kind of had our different backgrounds and our different fields, which I think is quite cool. It kind of lends itself to each episode being different and we all bring something different to the table. Um, but it started as a mastermind. So we were getting on these calls. Oh, cool. Yeah, like we, we got on these calls just to help each other out. And pretty soon they descended to uh, somewhat of a therapy group because uh, we're all like insecure creatives <laughs> at the end of the day. And we jump on and we just be like either moaning about stuff or saying, oh, we're struggling with this. And we found it so helpful that we had the empathy of the other three people. And it's like, oh, it's not just me. And we found ourselves getting less stressed, feeling that element of support. And I think that's what's channeled into the show because after a few of these calls, um, we kind of said like, this is really valuable. Like this is the kind of thing where if we recorded this, um, I'm sure we could charge people for it. And then we went, well, we have no interest in doing that. So why don't we just put it out to the world and um, try and provide some value for people? And so again, it was very organic. We started, um, I think we recorded the, the video even and started putting it out on Facebook. Mm -hmm. But then we realized, well, hold on, no one on Facebook who's f flicking through with their thumb, you know, wants to watch an hour long video. <laughs> um, that's not gonna work. So we thought, okay, well, we've got a, some feedback, but why don't we make this a podcast? You know, that's yeah. probably a, a more suitable format for these conversations. And so we just did it and put it out. And it was, there was no big game plan, like nothing like that. It was just a fun project with four friends. And we put it out there and in the first two months, it got over a hundred thousand downloads and all of these incredible reviews and nothing we've done in a very long time has resulted in so much positive kind of comeback and feedback where all four of us on personal levels are getting like emails and comments on social media mm. saying this show's genuinely really helping me. And I think it, it kind of, gets back to that almost group therapy thing we had going on because yeah. that's the overriding comment. It's like people like the design stuff, but so many people are like, oh, I thought it was just me. And I think a lot of designers work very isolated. And so when they get a bit of company um, in the form, you, I'm sure you've uh, experienced this, Josh, with your podcast, it's like you're keeping them company in their little home studio, mm -hmm. wherever they're working. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of crazy to hear that too. Like to, to know that we're just, you know, having fun and having this conversation, but to, to mean something to people, I think is, is really cool. Yes. And to, to touch on those nerves and to have them hear like, Oh man, I thought it was just me. I thought I was the only one who was dealing with that. And to hear 
both maybe somebody that you've not met before or not seen speak or then, you know, see a quote unquote famous designer say the same thing. It's just, it's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's really humbling the whole thing. Cause I'm, I'm pretty young, but I'm old enough to remember pre-internet very, very well. And so for me, the thought of someone listening to my stupid English voice and our conversations between friends, we've had uh, someone left a review and they're like driving all around Australia in, in some convertible or something listening to the show. And that's just insane to me. Like the, the day and age we live in where that can happen. Yeah. It amazes me. That's really awesome. Maybe we've covered it already, but this is one of my favorite questions to ask people. What is your proudest moment professionally? I mean, the thing that pops straight in my head and I, I hesitated cause I don't want to, it's very personal. Um, so I'm, I'm going to keep it fairly vague if you don't mind. Yeah. But it was, it's kind of two, but we, we were working with certain people who'd been going through some very, very traumatic, very tough, um, personal circumstances. And through partnering with us, they'd basically managed to stay afloat um, and either, ha- you know, back them up with some, some family stuff going on or, mm-hmm. or with mortgages and, and things of that nature. And that's where it really hammers at home. It's like, this is, this has become bigger than just me. It's like, this is changing people's lives. And yeah, that's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. Do you feel like there's anything that people get wrong about design cuts in particular or about maybe these kind of community sites in general? Like, are there any misperceptions about them? So how people perceive them from the outside as opposed to how they perceive building them? Yeah. Or maybe um, someone who says, I don't need that or I wouldn't join that. Like, what, what do they miss? What do they get wrong? I would say perhaps the the benefit of just how time saving it can be. Cause I remember back in the day I would try and do everything myself. Mm-hmm. And I think some designers, especially more experienced ones, can think that using resources or design assets can be a cop out, but it really isn't. It's like the world's greatest shortcut. And just being able to do that I I mean a lot of the um designers we work with including the guys I chat to on the podcast, they've actually put out videos showing how they made their product. So I think it was Ian Barnard, um, who's one of my co-hosts. He was like, here's how I created this uh, cool gold effect product and did a full YouTube uh, video and said, but if you want to buy it, here it is for 25 bucks. Mm -hmm. And loads of people bought it because they said, well, I watched the video, but that would literally take me like half a day to do. I'd rather just pay for it. (laughs) And, um, I think it, it just becomes quite obvious when you break down what your hourly rate is and you think I haven't got time to create every tool I need from scratch. And also by getting all of these amazing designers assets, it gives you more variety and diversity in your work. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, we might be great at like sleek vector illustrations, but you might suck at vintage stuff. So having that kind of arsenal to draw yeah, on, right. it allows you to cover more work. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that is a bit of a stigma for, some designers who are like, well, if it's not all a hundred percent my work, it's like, well, you use Photoshop and Illustrator and that's also a tool and it benefits you. Um, so yeah, probably that. 
Well, I guess just for full disclosure's sake, um, at least at the time of this recording, Design Cuts is not sponsoring us, and I'm not a member, haven't used it. So, <laughs> like, I, I always love coming into these conversations with a fairly open mind. You know, I, I looked at the product, read about it, and I was looking through all the, um, or I guess looked at the community that more specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did see great diversity in the types of things that you guys offer. I'm curious what's been most popular. Do you have a certain swim lane where people tend to, to use more vintage stuff or is it, is it really kind of broad and diverse across all the different categories? It's pretty diverse, but what we find is there's channels and the little pockets. Um, so the, uh, scrapbooking people, they prefer the vintage stuff there's a lot of people who love like the the watercolor kind of artsy mm-hmm. um look as well but um also a lot of the more corporate or agency people prefer the cl- very clean stuff and then fonts are like everyone loves them everyone loves fonts right <laughs> <laughs> should be the name of your new podcast as everyone loves fonts <laughs> yeah i can see that taking off <laughs> <laughs> i am curious if you have any uh, design heroes or particular designers you really looked up to as you were getting started? It, yeah, it did. Um, it, it varied. I remember cause I was pretty into, uh, web design and I'm pulling a blank mm-hmm. now. Um, but you know, Zeldman, mm-hmm. uh, Jeffrey. Yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey Zeldman. What, uh, what was his agency called? I'm not sure I'll come up with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, this this was kind of um, closer to when I was, I was starting out, but I remember looking at their work and being like, "That is beautiful." And you know, yeah. you know when it's so so nice that it's intimidating. You just think, "How am I going to reach <laughs> right. that level?" And they were so on the cutting edge always um, of CSS and and things like that that it always mm-hmm. just looks so beautifully clean and lightweight. Yeah, so I would say them. Very nice. So. One of my other favorite questions to ask people is, and since you guys, you, you in particular have had a lot in common with some of the things that I've thought about myself, but, um, I find that most designers are obsessed with sometimes many things. So I'm curious (laughs) what you feel like you're most obsessed with right now. Ooh, that's, that's a tricky one. Um, in terms of life or business or design or everything. Yeah. Any of those just, uh, kind of curious what you're, what you're feeling zeroed in on right now. Okay. Right now I'm feeling very focused on social media actually like more and more and more. And I think yes. Yeah. It was yesterday. I started a new, uh, thing on my Instagram where I want to do a daily video and, I'm kind of, I'm doing this mainly to put out value and try and just give a daily bit of advice about business and creativity. And a lot of people fuse both. So it's about creative business. Um, Mm -hmm. but for me, what interests me on a personal level is it's that overcoming the fear of doing it. It's, it's like the skydive kind of thing. And I know it seems trivial putting out some little video, but when you, when that stuff doesn't come naturally, I find it really rewarding. I'm, I'm at that kind of um, phase in life, you know, I'm 30 next year, so I'm still young, but I, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to die and have held back on stuff my whole life. So, yeah. so I'm just trying to push myself to, um, get past comfort zones right now. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, uh, something that lots of us find as a challenge is the, you know, 
again, like we said earlier, just setting those goals. And then even when you've reached it, you're already kind of on to the next thing. So it's, yeah, it's the, uh, the entrepreneur's dilemma of sorts. I, I don't want to flip it on you too much. What's your thing out of interest? Oh man. I mean, if I'm being really transparent right now, my, my family is the thing I'm obsessed with in this moment. And it, I think it's part of... See, that's a way more meaningful answer than an Instagram video. <laughs> Props to you. That's a much better answer. Well, I, I mean, maybe having, having listened to what we were talking about a minute ago, like just the big stuff, just the realization that, uh, that I wasn't focusing there enough uh, in the past that um, has really made me dial in on that. No, I think that's that's awesome. And a couple of my co-hosts on the podcast are in a similar position. They've got young kids, and that's the game changer. I, I haven't got kids mm-hmm. yet, but you know they, they got to come ahead of everything else, of course. Right. Yeah, ours are uh, nine and five, and um, the five-year-old pretty much brought me to <laughs> to tears yesterday by thanking me for something out of the blue and just kind of caught me off guard. And yeah, no. it was just so awesome and, uh, kind of a wreck, but, but, um, <laughs> but, but they are, they're awesome. That, 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 that's sweet though. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I can't wait for that stuff. So congratulations on, on the family side. That, that's very cool. Well, thank you. So you were, you were talking about the, like all the things that you want to accomplish still, I'm curious if you have any, um, well, tell us about one of your dream projects or one of your dream accomplishments. What are, what, what are some of these things that you're gunning for? Um, I mean, for, there's the design cuts side of things. Like we're not halfway done there. So I, I want to turn that into something that's even bigger and more impactful and more awesome for people. Uh, not sucking at public speaking would be pretty cool. It's like, I, I feel very comfortable chatting to you here, but when it's a hundred people or even 20 people and it's like silence and all eyes on you, I get the shaky hand thing and it's, it's terrible. It's the worst feeling in the world. I inherited it from my dad, uh, and it's not good. So if I could, if I could beat that one in life, that would be an accomplishment. (laughs) I feel like there's the, um, I don't know that this is a real, real name for it, but it's almost like the theater effect of when you're surrounded by more people than you can really take in. Mm. To me, that feels almost the same as just talking to one person because I, I, I just, from a sensory standpoint, I just can't really focus on there are a hundred or 200 people looking at me, but when I'm in a small group, like presenting to five or six people, that's when I'm nervous. <laughs> so like one-on-one is great. One to lots is great. And it's that weird in between size of like 22 people in a classroom where I'm like, Oh shoot, they can all see me. And you know, that's, that's more intimidating to me by far. So, so maybe you should try scaling it up to really big groups. No, that's worse. See if you hang. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous of you. You're only struggling in the middle. I think, I think about two people is my limit. Um, and <laughs> more people is much worse. <laughs> I think one of the things that helped cure me was my business coach. This was probably 10 years ago, had me speak to his small class. And right before I went up, I was kind of like, like not necessarily super nervous, but just kind of like unsure. And he said, Hey, have fun today. Have fun up there. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I, had, I hadn't even really thought through 
that I could allow myself to have fun while I was speaking. I was like so focused on my perfectionist kind of like, oh, don't forget to say it exactly like this and don't forget this transition and make sure you click here and make sure that joke's good. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, maybe just have fun and maybe some of that other stuff will come naturally or not but either way you enjoy it you know i feel like i'm gonna have to siphon off uh, some tips from you another time maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe i need to join your uh, your group therapy uh, mastermind thing yeah i told well hopefully we can have you on as a guest so yeah <laughs> c- come join therapy it's good excellent you could probably use some <laughs> i'm especially curious because you guys operate in so many different media different styles different genres of design I'm I'm curious if there's anything that just absolutely drives you bonkers right now. If there are design trends or things that are going on that you're like, oh, if I if I see another one of those, <laughs> I'll lose my mind. That's a really good question. Um, right now, there's no design trends that I outright hate, but I think what I hate and what we try and champion against is unoriginality, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of that where. I guess it's the nature of a trend, but it's you, you tend to get the trend seller and then it filters down and dilutes to a lot of people ripping it off. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, it's kind of everywhere and it's just this diluted watery version of what it once was. And that's why we, we the whole point of our marketplace is we said we're going to make this the most curated thing in the world. So instead of sifting through 10 million average things to find a few gems it's going to be all Mm -hmm. gems so it's like only the very best stuff nice um and that extends to how i feel about trends and and things of that nature i think there's there's often not a lot of point being number 500 you you know like i'd I'd always Mm -hmm. like i've created um digital products myself and we work with a lot of people that do and i find it so much better when someone does something completely fresh and completely new it's just way more exciting. And there's, it doesn't have to be crazily original, but there's always a new angle to come at stuff from. Yeah. And it's, it's the same for agency work, right? For stuff that you must do for clients. If you were just ripping off something that had been done, it, would, it wouldn't be as good. It would just be a diluted version of that. But you're coming at it from a new angle and, and define your own style. And that's way more exciting. Yeah. And the challenge is no matter how much... Um, or maybe no matter how original your work is today, it's, it's really never been easier for somebody else to, to see your original thing and then create the knockoff version of that next, (laughs) you know, the, the internet for, uh, for better or worse is just accelerated the way that trends come up and they get played out and then they're completely gone. And the next one kind of goes through that natural cycle. Yeah. You're a hundred percent right. The barrier to entry is nothing now. But I also believe that the cream rises, right? Mm-hmm. So if yep. people get very, very stressed. We, we work with a lot of designers and a lot of them get very stressed with people ripping off their stuff or copying it or doing some kind of version of it. And I always say, if you can, just put that stuff out of your head because it's much better that you keep doing your stuff and keeping the best and it will play out that you remain the best and, and you know, they're the copycats. Yeah. So this is, um, this is one of those conversations. I I say this somewhat frequently, but, but I feel like we would have a whole lot of stuff to dig into for like a whole nother hour. So instead of doing that, let's, um, let's maybe put this on pause here after another question or two, and then look at, um, doing a part two here, here later in the year. 
Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, to be honest, um, very, very happy to share the story about design cuts, but I want to provide as much value for people listening as possible. That's my main goal. So, mm-hmm. you know, your listenership better than I do. And anything where it's like pain points for them or stuff they're struggling with, I would love to dig into that because hopefully that would help them the most. Yeah, that's awesome. So guys, be sure to, um, we'll, we'll get all of the Twitter handles here in a second, but be sure to tweet at us and let us know where you'd like some help and where you'd like, um, either Tom or I to, to chime in here. So maybe before we let you go, what would you say your favorite piece of advice, um, is that you've received, or maybe one of your favorite piece of pieces of advice to pass along to young designers? Not to be precious. And just to do it and then iterate and get better over time. And it's not just designers, it's, uh, mm. it's business people, it's uh, musicians, it's everything. And it always frustrates me. I'm, I'm a bit of a perfectionist myself, so I have to fight against this. But I'll give you an example. One of my best friends growing up was one of the most astoundingly talented musicians that I've heard. And he never put out a final single even because he'd make it and then it wouldn't be good enough and he'd throw it away Mm. or he'd tweak it and tweak it and tweak it and then he'd throw it away. And I always said, if I had his talent, I'd be on like my 86th album right now. And it wouldn't matter if the first 40 (laughs) sucked because it would play out that it would get better and better over time. And I think that completely applies to design. It's like, just get out there and post your work and create. And if you just get so precious and scared to release the first thing, you're never going to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That is absolutely fabulous advice. Well, Tom, okay. Before we do actually wrap up here, maybe tell all of our listeners where they can track down you online and where they can find design cuts and, and where they can find your podcast. Yeah, awesome. So um, D- Design Cuts is just designcuts.com. Um, and we would love to have you. So, you know, come say hi, like send us an email, connect on social media. I promise you will hear back and we'll look after you. Uh, the podcast is honestdesigners.com. And um, again, hopefully we'll have you on at some point, Josh. That'd be really awesome. And then personally, I'm most active on Instagram. So it's instagram.com forward slash Tom Ross media. And again, um, all about trying to give that value right now. So if you hit me up with any questions about design, creative business, anything like that, you're guaranteed a response and I would love to help out. Beautiful. Well, Tom, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and I'm looking forward to doing a part two and or uh, guesting on your show as well. So yes to both of those. Thanks for being with us and and thanks for being obsessed with design. Okay, guys, that's episode number 70 in the books. Be sure to head over to iTunes if you're not already subscribed. Hit that subscribe button. Great to have everybody back getting into season two here. And you know what? If you haven't ever taken a moment to give us a rating or review, that would mean a ton to me and it helps other people find the show. Obsessed with Design is a product of the Design Obsessed team at Miles Herndon. Check us out online. It's milesherndon.com. For all of today's show notes, head over to obsessedshow.com and be sure to give us a tweet. I'm at Josh Miles or at Obsessed Show and let us know who you'd like to hear on this season two of the podcast. 
Thanks as usual to Jen Eds at the Brassy Broadcast Company for editing the show, and I hope you like the new intro music. On season two, I am just going out of my way to make these conversations as personal and as real as possible. So let us know if you like that. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.